Welcome to Joy Fueled and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. Sometimes life situations seem impossible and out of our control completely. From personal situations like, will my child make it through this emotional struggle? Or will they ever come to faith? To, will God come through and rescue my friends who are in a war-stricken country or who are fleeing as refugees right now? These situations can leave us feeling bedraggled, helpless, and anxious. What is our role? Do we white-knuckle it and force ourselves to believe and have faith and trust? Or is there a more relational way to live through these critical moments of life? A way that doesn't remove the grief and the pain, but allows us to offer hope in the midst of this without the anxiety and the striving and the fear. In this season, I invite you to listen in to a conversation I have had with God about this very topic. And then I'm going to share stories of what it looks like practically to live in to this new relational reality with Jesus, where we can be non-anxious hope bearers in an uncertain and chaotic world. Hi there, Tony here. And today I want to talk a little bit about what do we do in seemingly impossible situations? How do we get through situations that that are out of our control? We don't know how they're going to end. And it can feel a lot of times scary, overwhelming, uh, hopeless um, even. And Several of us in, in my community recently have been facing situations like this, um, trying to help refugees get out of dangerous countries or help our own children who are possibly experimenting with drugs or just feeling sad and not wanting to go to school or all the way to um you know, potential loss situations or even diseases or physical situations that we can't control. And we don't know, you know, should we pray for healing or not? And does God want to heal us? Um, so lots of situations come to us that are just impossible. We, we just don't see a way forward. And as the people of God, how do we handle these things? What does it look like practically? We might know all the right answers, but what does that really look like lived out? Because that's where I uh, like to focus personally is what does all this look like? Faith in Jesus and trusting God, you know, in the unknown, like what does that look like for me personally as I'm living it out day to day? So I want to talk a little bit about that because it's been coming up a lot in our communities recently. And last week, I had a chance to listen with a group of uh, group of leaders from our community around this very situation because some of us were facing some of these moments again, and we're like, "What do I do?" and and the the question for one of our people clarified, and it was, "What would it look like?" She, you know, this person said, "I'm." 
I know God wants me to be a hope bearer and it's what I do. You know, I bear hope. Like I usually am the last to give up hope. I'm always hopeful and people look to me in these really difficult situations. And this person said, but sometimes I really think I'm just faking it. You know, <laughs> like um, I'm gritting my teeth. I'm kind of forcing myself to believe, right? And maybe I'm quoting scriptures over and over to myself. And, you know, but what would it look like to be a hope bearer from a peaceful Jesus-led way instead of this kind of striving sort of way. So that led us to listen, right? Let's listen to Jesus on this. What does he have to say about it? And as we listened, um, I sensed uh, God, I sensed Jesus say, well, Tony, how did I do it? Let's talk about that for a minute. I want to share with you how I did it. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm all ears. <laughs> and I sensed him say, um, you know, for the joy set before me, the words from scripture came to mind for the joy set before me, I endured the cross. And I guess that was probably Jesus didn't really say that, but it was said in scripture about him for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So thinking that the Bible is inspired and that that verse was inspired, I think God was revealing to the writer that yes, for the joy set before Jesus, this is how he did this. So I sense Jesus telling me, this is how I did it, Tony. And I was like, okay, well, break that down for me, Jesus. What does that look like? What does that even mean, right? And I sensed him say, I had a visual image in my imagination of a future moment when I would be with my people, when, when my people would be with me, when the people that I love and cherish, you all, would be with me and with God. So that future moment of all of us being together, united, finally, <laughs> um, that he could see that in his imagination. And picturing that in his imagination was so powerful that it literally changed his physiology. It changed his whole body and it removed all fear and anxiety. So that he could suffer. Yeah, he suffered and he probably was grieving while he was suffering and it was painful, but it allowed him to do all of that with a heart of peace or, or what we would call non-anxious leadership, right? Even in his intense suffering and pain, he's still relational. He's still, you know, taking care of his mother and handing his mother over to John. He is still forgiving um, the people who are doing this to him. And the, he's, he's relational with the other person on the cross that was there. So you see a, a, a person, a non-anxious leader, right? In the middle of all of this, when it looked the bleakest, somehow, you know, Jesus wasn't just telling himself it was all going to work out. He actually had an image in his mind of the future, of a real, a real future moment. He was, he was seeing, so prophetically seeing a future moment that was going to happen. And that moment gave him so much, uh, glad to be together no matter what is happening. It gave him so much, uh, peace internally, even in his muscles, in his, in his skeleton, uh, in his body, because imagery has the power to do that. Words alone don't have the power to change our physiology, but imagery does uh, when we see each other's eye, or nonverbal, nonverbal communication does. So when we see a smile in each other's eyes, when we picture someone holding us, right? So these nonverbals 
actually have the power to change our entire physiology from the inside out. And then we walk into life with this reality that we're seeing that no one else can see. So I sensed Jesus saying this to me. And then I, I sensed him say, what if God, what if I want to give you an image of what I'm doing or how this impossible situation will end? What if that's what I want to do? What if I want to give you an image of the end result of your impossible situation, what it will look like and what it will feel like so that you can ground your physiology in a future prophetic image that's going to happen that gives you peace, that gives you so much peace that it radiates from inside of you out. <laughs> what would that look like? Wow. Um, that was amazing. And I sense that he said, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So in these impossible situations, I don't want you to just quote scripture to yourself and try to muscle through with faith. I want you to come and sit with me and listen to me and say, God, how does this end? Will you give me an image of how this ends? Will you show me what I need to know right now? Show me in my mind, in my imagination, whatever it is I need right now to be able to be completely peace-filled, peace-filled, no matter what's happening to me, no matter what. And I think God wants to do that. <laughs> so um, that's what we sensed. And, and then a, a few more verses came. One of them was uh, Hebrews 11, 1, where it's, the author says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I thought, um, you know, as I was listening to Jesus on this, it was like, yeah, this idea of having this image that's so real in my head of the future, that is substance. That's substance. And it's a substance of th something that I'm hoping for, right? But it's not just a, an empty hope. I'm not, I'm not just magically hoping in something that might happen. I actually see it. There is substance in my imagination and God's telling me to trust that substance. And, and then it says, it's the evidence of things not seen. And I thought, wow, you know, this image that I have in my head of a future reality for me is evidence. And then I can live out of that and no one else sees it necessarily, but I'm living out of it. And, 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 and actually participating with God in bringing it forth. I, I've heard him say, pray it into being, Tony. I'm showing you this image. You pray it into being. You work with me, co-labor with me to make it happen. This is going to happen. So pray it. Beg, beg me for it. It's happening. All right. So that's all great to talk about. And we kind of see or Jesus was showing us what that looked like in his own life. But I'm going to share over the next few podcasts a few instances where this has happened in my life. And, um, you know, Jesus gave me this, all these words to put to it now in his own process, but years and years and years ago, he was doing this with me and I, I didn't really know what he was doing, but it was working and I was just happy to be in it. <laughs> um, and it, it's so amazing to me when it happens. And so that's why I want to tell some of these stories so that you can hear what this has looked like for me. So this one's a, a lighter situation I'll start with um, because, and it happened just recently. So I, I have a daughter, um, beautiful 13 year old, 
And um, she is in middle school, which as you can imagine, middle school is not the most friendly place. She is a five on the Enneagram. If you don't know what that means, really, it just means that she's highly introverted and that she really struggles sometimes to communicate herself to other people who she doesn't know or in social situations. It's a little difficult for her um, to know how to bridge into someone else's heart, even though She's so well at doing that at home, but it's it's very difficult for her in in other environments. So, at any rate, she, she she's also very emotionally stable. That's something else about fives. They tend to just be stable humans, and that's incredible. <laughs> uh, I am not one of those, and I highly appreciate the stability that that our daughter brings to our family. Um, that being said, every now and then, you know, of course, just like every normal human, she feels deeply, and she feels um, sadness and frustration and all of those things. Um, she just typically can handle them really, really well. But every now and then, she starts to tank, especially being thirteen, right? And the other day, um, we were driving to school, and and she had just been really struggling for a few days. Uh, she was not wanting to draw, which is something she always wants to do. She was finding herself not motivated. Um, she might have even had a had a slight cold or a slight uh, physical situation she was fighting. So you could tell there were just lots of uh, environmental issues going on. But she was um, really reaching a point of I think hopelessness and um, sadness and deep sadness. And her big situation was uh, heartbroken over not being able to really relate to her friends at school and relate to them the way they relate to each other. Like she sees them as having fun together and playing together and laughing a lot together, but feels like when she's with them, it's quiet and uncomfortable. And you know, so she's she was in a moment of kind of longing to be someone else, longing to be more ex- extroverted and extravagant and and fun loving and and kind of almost rejecting who she was because she didn't feel the belonging that she saw that they felt. Um, so we're talking about this and it's breaking my heart as she's sharing. And she finally alludes to a Dear Evan Hansen song, um, Behind the Window or Behind the Glass, I think is the song. But she says, Mom, I just feel like I'm trapped behind a window and I'm looking out at the world. And when she said that, of course, I started to cry up on the way to school and she's already tearing up and and kind of crying. And, and, um, I loved on her. I listened, I attuned, I, I validated how hard this stage of life is. Um, you know, I mentalized it for her, meaning we talked about some, some physical issues that might be affecting her and making this harder and let's just get through the day. Um, and then we, you know, we also brainstormed some ideas of how to interact or engage. I validated her personality and, and encouraged her that she really does uniquely show up in the world in a way that blesses others and brings them peace. And so while she sees a lot of laughter and play between them, she really does bring a unique peace to everyone that she's with. It's hands down. Everyone says that they feel peaceful when they're with her and that that might be her unique contribution and the unique way God shows up in her. And so I encourage her to lean into her uniqueness instead of trying to become someone she's not. So all the while listening to Jesus myself in that whole conversation, because I'm like, Lord, what do I say? How do I love her? How do I validate her and not want to fix her necessarily and change her? 
the end of the conversation, I asked her if, if I could pray, if she wanted me to pray for her. And she said, yes. And we prayed Luke 10, 2. If you don't know what that passage is, it's where, you know, Jesus calls the disciples to himself. And he says that the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. So beg the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. So I begged the Lord of the harvest to send her uh, laborers of the kingdom of God, you know, people in her life that can harvest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, uh, the fruits of the spirit, right? So so we prayed uh, that God would would surround her, would help her, would uplift her, uh, and would provide good friends for her. And sh- out she went, right? Well, I was crying um, by that time, and I pull over at a carpool. And I was supposed to meet a friend to check in and listen, and she couldn't make it. And I was disappointed because (laughs) I really needed her, (laughs) or at least I thought I did. I really wanted to share this burden with someone and listen to God together, right? For how does this end, Lord? What do I need to know? Because for me, when I cannot change my children's reality for them, it feels sometimes hopeless and impossible. Um, and I know if you're a parent, you know what that feels like. We want to fix everything for our children. We don't want them to have to struggle through life. We, we're afraid a lot of times that they, uh, that they'll get lost in the battle, you know, that they won't find God in it or that they'll be overwhelmed and overcome. And, um, so the, the fears are real and those realities can be very real. And so if if you haven't checked out four keys, to parent fearlessly. Um, I lay out all of these steps in detail in that book that I'm about to walk through here. And so I pulled over and I'm like, I need you, Jesus, because I'm obviously feeling afraid. I am feeling uh, powerless and I'm, and I'm grieving. I'm just deeply grieving where my daughter goes every day when she goes to school and how she feels. So I start checking in with God. I thought, well, if my friend can't make it, I'll just check in on the phone with her. So I leave her a a voice message of how I was feeling and what was going on. And I told her, I'm going to listen to Jesus and I'll, I'll text you my results, right? What I hear from God on this. So I quiet and I start to listen. And the first image that I listened through uh, what I call sifting, which is a Dan Siegel uh, acronym, but sifts, we, we sift our, our mind when we're listening for sensations, images, feelings, thoughts, or scriptures. So sifts. Um, and so I immediately get an image and I pay attention to it. And the image is, is my daughter standing behind the glass window, looking out onto the playground, uh, where the kids are and they are all laughing and having a great time. But yet she's back there with her hand on the window, right? Trying to get out a tear is kind of falling on her face and she's by herself. And that's the image I have. And I'm just holding that image there, paying attention to it and asking Jesus what he wants me to know about that, about my daughter feeling like that's her reality. And as I asked that question, the image shifted and it, uh, Jesus appeared in the image and he was standing right beside her with his arm on her shoulder. He's taller than her. Um, you know, so she, she's not looking at him at all. She's still looking outside, but he's there and he has his arm on her. 
that image alone shifted everything inside of me uh, just to know, oh, oh, she's not alone there at the window. <laughs> she might feel like she's alone, but she's not alone. And then I hear him say to me, or I sense these words, is this God speaking? I don't know. All I know is I sense these words and they shift me radically from a state of fear and anxiety to a state of shalom or peace and joy. And so whenever I have an emotional shift like that through through images and words, I, I believe that is God. Because if I could shift my own emotional state by myself, that'd be pretty incredible, first of all. And I would do it every time I feel sad or depressed. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I've found that I can't do that on my own power. It just doesn't happen. But whenever I'm listening to God, it happens. And that is a beautiful thing. So I test it uh, with that. Is there a, an emotional shift towards the fruit of the Spirit, right? And if there is, that means the, the Spirit probably was there, right? So these are the words I heard. Tony, you did a good job encouraging her not to give up on who I have made her to be. I am standing there with her, behind her, at that window, and I am holding her. I want you to pray that she feels me there with her. And when he said that, I, I just started weeping even more because the feeling of, of helplessness, you know, that I can't do anything about this. I have my hands tied. There's nothing I can do to change her reality. It's like Jesus comes in and says, oh, but there is something you can do. <laughs> you can hold this image in your head and you can pray for her that she will feel my presence. Just do that, Tony. I'm asking you to do that. And all of a sudden now I get to collaborate with God in the life of my daughter in a very powerful way. So I began to pray on her behalf that she will sense that he's right there with her. And I really feel that he is there. So that also, of course, shifted everything to a hopeful place. Then I hear him say, I will show her how to unlock that window and open it. And then he says, no, it's actually a door. <laughs> it's really a door. And I'm going to show her how to unlock that door and walk through it. And I'm going to walk through it with her. And in the image, as he's speaking, these things start to happen. So he shows her where the lock is on the door. He teaches her to unlock the door and him and her walk through that door beautifully and brilliantly together. And she looks confident, but not, not like a arrogance, but like a, I've got Jesus with me confidence, kind of like I have what it takes, um, because I have a coach that's, that's teaching me. She, and, and then I sense Jesus say, she has what it takes, Tony. <laughs> she has what it takes. You do not have to fear. Um, and you don't have to frantically try to shove truth into her or shove more Bible into her or think that you have to teach her she has what it takes in her already. See this image and pray for it as often as you see it, as often as I bring it to mind. Tony, I love her. <laughs> so I felt uh, that image and that conversation with Jesus reminded me of significant truth um, from the inside out, right? It wasn't like I had to try to convince myself of these things. When when I hear these words in my imagination, it physiologically 
automatically affects me. So I immediately felt comforted. I felt seen. I felt encouraged. I felt soothed by God. Then I felt excited even about the future. So instead of being afraid that she'll get lost and that she's going to go into drugs or do whatever, right? I, or kill, you know, commit suicide. I mean, honestly, th- those are a parent's fears. And, you know, I, I just had this incredible excitement um, that Jesus is with her and he is going to show her how to unlock this door. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know even if it's in this lifetime, like, I don't know. And I try not to interpret when, how, what, (laughs) Uh, those things I don't ever, God never gives me the when, the how, or the what. Um, And, and honestly, I don't, I've learned to not even interpret that that's in this lifetime. She, she might commit suicide one day. I, I pray she never, never, never does that, but I can't guarantee that. And that image doesn't guarantee it either. What I've learned is the image guarantees that she's going to walk out of that door with Jesus, period. And and I don't know when or what that really looks like. I just know it's going to happen. And that is a joy set before me. And it and it's a reality. And he has told me, trust it. You trust this image, Tony, because it will come to pass. It will. And it is amazing how that can fuel me to be a non-anxious parent with her. I get to watch and observe. I get to pray and look for God working in her life. I get to ask Jesus, is there any other part that I play in this? You know, do we continue? Obviously, we, we're, te- we're memorizing scriptures together and, you know, I, I'm showing up every minute as God wants me to, but in a non-anxious way, in a non-striving way. I felt purposeful because he told me what to do. Hold this image in your mind and pray it into reality. Um, so I don't feel powerless anymore. Um, and by the end of this moment, I was smiling from head to toe <laughs> instead of crying <laughs> in grief and, and sadness. Um, and I can hold her in my imagination. And so, again, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know, but I know it's going to happen. And so this is one example. I've gone long today. I'm going to share a few more over the next few weeks. Examples of how the how God wants to lead you. He wants you to be Jesus-led, not fear-driven, not anxiety-led, and, and not even rational uh metal to the grind, forcing yourself, striving to have faith led. Like it's not about, I really don't think the Christian life is about us um, just grit, you know, gritting our teeth and getting through. Um, I think it's about a relational connection with Christ that literally transforms our physiological, emotional state to where it comes from the inside out. This peace radiates from us, not because I'm trying really hard to make myself trust God, but because he's given me a prophetic image of the future that literally automatically changes my entire being. I know this is probably radical, <laughs> um, and he's done it over and over and over again with me. Um, so it's, I, I, it's just been proven in my life 
in, in life or death situations, in all kinds of situations over and over and over again. So I'm going to share some of those stories over this next podcast series. And, um, yeah, I would love any feedback you might have. I'm on Instagram. Uh, you can find me. I think it's Tony M. Daniels, um, and, and interact with these ideas in whatever way, uh, you feel led to do so. Thanks for listening today. I hope this equips you to live more joy-filled and Jesus-led. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joy-Filled and Jesus-Led. Are you done white-knuckling your way through life and faith? Are you longing for a more relational way of living with God instead of just applying principles about God? If so, grab your copy of Four Keys to Parent Fearlessly. It's in the show notes below. And sign up for an intro call with Luke 10 today where you can join a community of practice that that practices being this way in our life with God in community. Until next time.